just coming out of that, I think everybody just lost their mind because you guys think Spider-Man is not. I actually didn't, I, I didn't really like the movie that much. I didn't, I didn't know. But you're a huge Spider-Man fan, so. Um, okay. Let's get into this. So, uh, we want to go ahead and start this out with our list. Um, but before we get into that, um, today we're going to be talking about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, we're going to be doing Harry Potter for this year. Um, this is our second attempt at recording this. Let's cross our fingers that uh, yeah, I keep watching wrong. the screen to see if we see the sound waves. Yeah, it's like I, I don't see them right now, which those, is kind of freaking me out. What's that? Oh, oh no, it's just further down okay. the, the thing. But um, just to get through this real quick, um, we're going to be doing all the Harry Potters this year, uh, the first week of each month. Obviously, we're late on this one, but uh, we're going to try to get Not a little bit better as we go. Yeah, so um, today we're talking about uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, this movie came out in 2001. It was directed by Chris, Chris Columbus, not Christopher, I almost said it. Uh, it was based off of, obviously, the novels written by J.K. Rowling. Uh, the screenplay was done by Steve Kloves, which I think the only screenplay he didn't adapt is Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. But we'll we'll get to the end, and maybe I'll be wrong on that. But, <laughs> um, this movie stars Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley. I got to say this because it's not in the Imdaba. Yeah. Imdaba, you need, to, you need to correct this as soon as you can. Emma Watson... As Hermione Granger. Yeah, it's so weird. Not in this top yet to figure forever. out why that's like that. Yeah. Uh, we also have Richard Harris as Albus Dumbledore. Maggie Smith as Professor McGonagall. Robbie Coltrane as Hagrid. Uh, Fiona Shaw as Aunt Petunia Dursley. Richard Griffiths as Uncle Vernon Dursley. Uh, we also have Harry Melling as Dudley Dursley. And uh, many, many, many others. Harry Mellon. Including... Um, Alan Rickman as Severus Snape, who's not on this top cast in Imdba. You actually have to like go deep dive into the full cast to find. Actually, I don't think he's even in this. So Alan Rickman and Emma Watson both you you can't find them on the top cast in. It's a strange uh, thing. Imdba. It's very strange. <clears throat> so uh, just to go over our, our our top list now, when Kaylee comes out, she's going to be on our Prisoner of Azkaban movie. She's going to do her top her top lists or she's mm -hmm. going to rank all the movies as well so we'll get her list then but uh, we'll go ahead and do ours now um so what we're doing is we're going to rank our uh top i mean we're going to rank the harry potter movies so now this isn't based off the books yeah. this is just based off the movies since we're a movie podcast we will be talking about the books and how it's been adapted so there's going to be a lot of book talk during these episodes a lot of book just because we have to and there's some things that kind of are implied in the movies but actually don't give a good enough explanation. It's just kind of in there for the people that have read the books. And Correct. some people might be confused about what's going on. So, Which we both have read all the books. So, right. Uh, you know, it's been years. years. Well, yeah. And I started reading um, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets with Henry, you know, last year sometime, mm. whatever. But, um, but anyways, these rankings are based on the movies alone. Just how the movies uh, were, and how it maybe uh, may a completely different list for our, our books or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, do you still have two movies combined? Yes. Okay. So I'm gonna go first since I have eight on a list and you have seven. Um, so my number eight is Deathly Hallows Part One. Correct. Um, I'd like to talk about that. I the movie was 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 okay. It was it was good. Um, we all knew that it was going to be tough to do this last one, us book, book readers, because a lot of 
the first part of that book is a lot of kind of just wandering around and looking for stuff aimlessly. The thing with this book is that it goes into Dumbledore's past a lot. Yeah. So, like, the last book, it, uh, the Half-Blood Prince, it was all about Voldemort's background, you know? Mm. We didn't get Snape's background until Deathly Hallows. So, the, like, in the last part of Deathly Hallows, we got a lot of his background. Some of Order of Which the is Phoenix, so funny because, Snape's. literally, if you know anything about Harry Potter, the Half-Blood Prince is all about Snape. Right, but the movie, or, I mean, the actual story in it, I mean, you find out at the end that Snape is a certain person, but... But, right. you know, it's it's really there. It really doesn't go into his past at all. It's no. all about Voldemort's past and, and about how. But this one, Deathly Hallows. So what I'm trying to say is the Deathly Hallows part one. What um, are you trying to say? Is in the book, it was filled with Dumbledore's past. Yeah. And they took that out for the movie because it was just too much. They couldn't yeah. fit it in there to, to explain it right. So they took that aspect of it out. Let's have it just be about Harry and Voldemort. Let's have a little bit of uh, Dumbledore here and there, sprinkle it in, but let's have it be about Harry and Voldemort. So the movie took that one essential thing of, of Dumbledore's past out and discovering Dumbledore's past and how it related to the Deathly Hallows and everything. Um, and so you just kind of have a wandering movie. So it took a lot of out, and that's that's why I'm, we'll get past this. I'm spending way too much time on this, but for me, Deathly Hallows Part One had a lot taken out of it, and it just made it a little bit more mundane than it already was from Correct. the book. Yeah. Whereas the second half, it's just balls to the wall action. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's my number eight. Uh, what's your number seven? We'll start. Uh, Sorcerer's Stone. The, the one that we're currently doing the podcast over Okay, today. and uh, we both have that. That's our tied, or that's our uh, equal one. We might have another one, but um, as far as this one, Sorcerer's Stone, we're about to get into it. We both have it on our number seven. We'll explain why it's that low. It's really not that big of a deal either, why why it is. But, yeah. Uh, so, it's not a bad movie, just not one that I go to uh, a lot. It's a setup so, movie. Um, what's your number six? My number six is Chamber of Secrets. There you go. Mine's right there, too. Mm -hmm. So I got Chamber of Secrets. Um, I think that's a little bit better than Sorcerer's Stone, but we're going to get into that pretty soon. So we can go ahead and skip the whys of that or whatever. Um, what's your number five? Order of the Phoenix. Okay, why is that your number five? Well, because it was very... Uh comedic i felt like i like I, it didn't really seem like it was going with the tone because it was good you know all the harry potters they get darker and darker as they go mm -hmm. right and so as they they go they get darker and darker and you know this one is kind of like weird because it's further along but it's it's almost like it should have been earlier on where it's more like childlike in a way and it's a lot more comedy you know comedy in a way in, in, in a sense yeah. you know what i mean because it was like you know uh Felch and, and and you know Draco and uh, you know pretty much all of Slytherin they're they're looking for yeah the Order of the Phoenix yeah yeah and literally that music's playing you know what I mean yeah and so that's what I'm saying it just got real kind of a comedic feel to it yeah you know and I and I wouldn't get on that I agree I don't have it much higher up but um it's I'll just say it it's my number four so it's the next one up or whatever um there's there's a lot to it. Uh, that was, and again, I think the book reading kind of damaged me for the movies because I was expecting a lot more. And I know you can't do that for a movie; it's hard. You have to cut stuff out. So, yeah. that one was a little tough for me. Um, Order of Phoenix. I, I had I put it as high as I could uh, at number four, just because of the epic battle between Dumbledore and Voldemort at the end. But um, there was there was a lot of uh, a lot of good about it. 
that they didn't do in the books, like going through the whole Department of Mysteries. That was yeah. did, that would have been too much for the movie. Right, I'm glad right, they right. went straight to the straight to the um, prophecy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a great movie, well paced and everything. But like everything from here up is just great movies. It's just about putting them in yeah. order about your own personal yeah. preference. So right. uh, my number five is Deathly Hallows Part Two. I mean, I think we kind of talked about it. Just it's just balls to the walls action. Um, there is some stuff at the end about you know Snape's past and and all that kind of stuff but um it's really just i mean it's the climax of the book they they stretched out the climax to the book into a full movie which i i really felt like here's the thing i mean and this is just not because i love harry potter but i think they should have took every book and made it two movies in my opinion because if it, uh, now now the fact that they didn't which is fine and, and it's understandable but they leave so much out of the movies that they have in the books that just makes the story that much better. Yeah. You know, and I feel like, in a way, if they would have split every single book into two movies, they could have fit everything that was seriously important that made the story so phenomenal. Because what we really got, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not taking away from the films, but what we really got is a watered-down version of the books. Which you get with every movie. Right. But, but yeah, there's just, she has, she has written her world so complex and mm-hmm. so so richly and so interconnected with every single storyline she had it planned out you could tell she had this planned out from the very beginning yeah so it's it's a rich story and everything that you got to cut stuff out and it's yeah. going to make it suffer so but well, like nowadays, the, first two, the first two you could have got away with just doing one movie yeah that's true you know, yeah and nowadays it would have been a tv series right like oh, Netflix. Yeah, and like i prefer if we're doing ad- adaptations now from movies car books comics whatever do it on tv because movie you got Two and a half to three hours, that's as much people can stand. And nobody wants that break for a year or two to get the next one or whatever. Well, it's kind of like watching the dang old uh, Mandalorian, <laughs> you know, where, where you're like, oh, my God, you know. Or, or, like, remember Walking Dead was the worst one, I think, where, like, you, you're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And then, bam, cliffhanger. Well, Game to, of Thrones too. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then you'd have, you like, wait, a like, a year like a delay. Year. And then, remember, it was, like, two more tacked on to that. Oh, I mean... It was insane. It was ridiculous. But anyways, yeah, uh, today, nowadays they do it as a TV show and it'd be great. But, um, so that's my, uh, that's my number five, Deathly, Deathly Hallows Part 2. What's your number four? Goblet of Fire. Why is it, why is it uh, well, number four? Or why is it not number eight? Because a lot of people don't like it. I like it because it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's where we get to say goodbye to, uh, uh, to Digger, uh, Edward, uh, Edward Cullen, and then uh, where we get to say uh, hello. Good morning, Starshine. The Earth says hello. We get to say hello to Voldemort. Yes. And yes. Uh, so, yeah, I think Cedric's- there's there's some some very key moments in the books or in the story that you know we actually get introduced to this yeah. side of it. You I'm know? just gonna say right now, Goblet of Fire is my number one movie. I just love the movie. Uh, I know it's not a lot. I don't know some people, most people probably it's number eight, but um, I just love it because it's that it's that transitional movie it's yeah. and maybe that's why people don't like it because it's not defined as harry potter as a child right. harry potter as an adult but i think he starts really growing up through goblet of fire yeah. he sees like the first death he's seen um since his parents which he doesn't remember in in cedric diggory mm-hmm. um you know voldemort comes back and, and well it's not I, the first time we actually get to see his parents is it the same parents from the the first mm-hmm. one 
Oh, yeah, so they've, been, they've been the same actors. They carry over. But that's, I just, that's I just cool meant like they did seeing his actual parents die. Right, right. You know, right. because actually seeing someone die is a thing in this Harry Potter. It 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 allows you to see things, which we're going to get into other movies and everything. But yeah. like Harry and 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 another character find that they're the only ones that can see certain creatures because they've witnessed death. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it, Goblet of Fire is great. Voldemort never looked better than he did in Goblet of Fire, I think. Um, like I said, you finally get to see the confrontation between the two. Um, the, the the whole school year was different because it was like, you know, you had the all these visitors, so it was like anything could happen. It wasn't the usual, hey, oh, Malfoy's yeah. going to be mean to him, and they're going to get pissed at Malfoy, yeah. but then Malfoy's not going to really have anything to do with the final plot. And you get a, you get a better introduction to, to the world beyond... Uh, Hogwarts. You yeah, know what I mean, you get to see the the different sides of. Now, granted, you know, as the movies go on, Hagrid you know, gets love interest. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, at the, uh, as the movies go on, you get more of the outside world. You know what I mean? But, but this is the kicker for it. You know, yeah. this is the one that kicked it off, really. I think, and and just you know, it's just I think it's a lot more interesting. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that's 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 my number one. That was your number four. My number four is Order of the Phoenix, which we've already talked about. What's your number three? My number three is uh, Half Blood Prince. Okay, we're pretty close here towards the end. Um, your number three is uh, Half Blood Prince. What? Why is it so high? A lot of people don't like Half Blood Prince movie. I, either. I love it because it's about it's it's about Snape without talking about Snape, but yeah. it's like. You know, because I read all the books before He's the big I, I read reveal. the movies. Yeah, and, and I, I read all the books before I watched the movies. Right. Except for, like, the first two. Like, right. I don't think I read the first two uh, before the movies. But mind you, with, with this one, The Half-Blood Prince, there's just a mystery to it. You know, like, I, I knew who it was. You know, I knew everything, what was going to happen. But there's a there's a mystery to it. You know what I mean? And, and you know, it's it's like, it's also where Dumbledore gets kind of, yeah, yeah, I like it for the same reasons. Uh, different. Uh, I like it because it's Voldemort's backstory. Yeah. You get to find out what Voldemort, where you know, first of all, what Voldemort's parents were, yeah. and what what happened with the parents, yeah. and even the grandparents. So like, and come to find out his uncle, he's not a full, uh, uh, full blood. Exactly. You get to find out that wizard. He, he for all of his pure blood mania yeah. that he's had his whole life, mm-hmm. is actually a mud blood. Mm-hmm. So and, he, and not even liked by his own parents. You know what well, I mean? Well, supposed I mean, to be like well, his one you, didn't even know. Well, you you kind of try to make the comparisons between him and Draco, right? Like, Draco was raised to believe in, you know, I mean, well, because Draco's father followed Voldemort, but, you know, Draco, Draco was raised to basically believe that mudbloods were garbage. And, and that's a and, lot of the pureblood families. They're right, just a little more right. vicious about it. But, yeah. but, you know, you're talking about Slyther, a family of Slytherins, right. a family that is, uh, you know, very, just bad people, you know what yeah. I mean? And it, the comparisons between him and Voldemort, who grew up actually very poor without knowing his, you know, really knowing his parents, you know, uh, just treated like crap, but kind of taking the same route that Draco did, but without all the bells and whistles for it. And it actually explains. Kind of earning himself. Yeah, that. and it doesn't explain it in the movie, but it explains in the book why exactly Voldemort can't feel love. Yeah. It's actually explained in there. It's not just he's an evil guy and he just had aspirations. There's actually a reason, which we're going to get, I'll, I'll save for he it or whatever. Aspers. But no, it has to do with what his mom did, you know? And it's, 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 
it's it's a great story. I mean, that you get to really dive into that. And then, yeah, there's that epic ending where it's not like this crazy big blow-up scene, but it's a very tense scene. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I think the whole movie looked different. It was just great. Uh, my number three is Prisoner of Azkaban. I know that's a lot of people's number one. It used to be my number one. I've just seen it so many times. That was the movie my, me and my daughter would watch every single day that I was home. Well, and we're going to get into that soon enough that we don't really have to talk much about it here. But, I mean, Gary Oldman, uh, the first one without Voldemort, so it felt a little fresh. You had werewolves and time travel. It was all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, what's your number two? My number two is Deathly Hollows. Both of them. Both of both the Deathly uh, Hollows. It's, 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 I can't really separate conclusion. them. Yeah, I can't separate them because, you know, it's just a continuation of the same story. It's what I think they should have done with all the books. So do you, when you watch these, do you ever watch them separately? or do you watch them all together like you when you start deathly hallows part one you know that you're not stopping until you get to the end of part two oh, or yeah. do you watch part oh. one and say i'll watch part two tomorrow no or do you watch it as one movie it depends uh, if i'm watching it by myself yeah i'll watch them together okay you know but if i'm watching them with like the wife or the kids or whatever i watch them separately. okay my number two is half blood prince which you had just said mm-hmm. uh, and then what's your number one prisoner yeah <laughs> my number one is goblet all right cool fun 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 I like your list. Yeah. It's probably better than my list, more accurate. <laughs> well, um, all right. My, as far as my opinion goes, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, what did you think of the casting? It was great. I thought it was good casting. Um, you know, granted, do I like Dumb- this version? That's what I was getting. That's another good question. Do you like Richard Harris or no. um, oh, what's the other? Michael Gambon. Uh, Michael Gambon. It's yeah. just it's just because it's Michael Gambon. Lucas Lucas you know? said the same thing. Yeah. Me and him had a debate about it because I feel like like um um oh my gosh, what's his name? Richard Harris. Yeah, Richard Harris. Because oh. um, I think that Richard Harris is more accurate to how Dumbledore is in the book. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you have Michael Gambon in things like it was either what was it, Prisoner of Azkaban or Goblet of Fire. No, 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 Half Blood Prince, where he's just like it's maddening, and he sits down all frustrated. That was never Dumbledore in the book. He was always very soft spoken. He he almost almost Not when spoke he was younger. No, 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 but I'm saying he's very soft spoken, almost spoken a whisper. It was explained in the books, um, all the books. That he was exactly like Richard Harris plays it. But I do like Michael Gambin because Richard Harris was fine then, but when you needed to get Dumbledore into some action in the later stories, uh, I don't know if it would have played as well. Maybe it would have, but Michael Gambin really brought that intensity to Dumbledore. So I think it's like two different aspects. Michael Gambin's more of the warrior Dumbledore, whereas Richard Harris is more as more of the, like the philosopher, you know, the... The, the teacher. Yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. Philosophizing to everybody. And uh, so you had those two aspects of Dumbledore. Richard Harris played that part great. Michael Gammon played that part great. It was just kind of like not really together like it was in right. the books, but still fine. Um, you know, uh, the cast. Hang on. All right. Um, so... Uh, Chris Columbus had a huge job getting to uh, getting this movie, getting this whole world set up. You know, yeah. Uh, 
it had never been shown. This is this is the make it or break it type thing. And you know, really, we we hadn't had uh, we had a few franchises before this, but kind of franchises were like dying out. You, I think you'd have like the Matrix around mm-hmm. certain times, but you know, you didn't have a lot of franchises going on at this time. So you wanted to build a world. This was very tough because you had to you had to be have magic, but you couldn't make it look you know like witchcraft or whatever, or else you'd have parents rioting. You know, you couldn't have um, it be too serious or it would scare the kids. You know, you couldn't have it be too silly or you know no adults are going to want to watch it or you know different things like that. So I think it was good that they started off with this director. Uh, who was the same director who directed like Home Alone and everything? So you know he loves Christmas, and these two first films have very Christmassy type feels. Yeah. Um, but I think it was good because you, you kind of grow with these movies. These are more the first two movies are more for kids, and they're very much aimed at kids right, where, with right. the humor, the acting, the the content, and everything. It's more aimed at kids. Whereas Prisoner of Azkaban gets a little darker, and then Part Four it just goes like, all right, here's our death. Here we are. We're moving into the real dark stuff and dark times, you know, right. as Hagrid would say. Dark times, dark times. Um, so yeah, I think I think the cast was was done great. Daniel Radcliffe, he had never acted before, um, not in a professional manner. He had done stage acting. <laughs> I think the producer saw him do a play. Uh, I think the same with Rupert and Emma. Uh-huh. Um, they hadn't done much, but I think the chemistry of them are all great, and they all seem to match their personalities uh they're the, of the characters um yeah i can't remember which one which director it was which film it was might have been these but i remember the director uh one director uh it could have been alfonso but he had asked the three carlton <laughs> no not rubiera alfonso oh. Caron, the director but uh he asked the three leads daniel radcliffe rupert grant and emma watson to write essays <clears throat> um daniel radcliffe he wrote it, but it wasn't very good. It, he attempted it though. It was it was passable. It was okay, um, but he at least attempted it and and and, and tried to do it. Uh, and he did like a paragraph. Emma Watson. She spent a lot of time on it. She had pages of this essay that she did. Uh, Rupert Grint didn't do it. <laughs> exactly how the characters, like Harry, he wants to be a good wizard and everything, but if he's not interested, he's going to put a little effort into it and get the assignment done, but he's not going to be great at it, you know? Yeah. He just, he's got other stuff to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, Hermione's obviously going to go overboard, and Ron's just going to slough it off. So mm-hmm. it was it was perfectly uh, perfect match. Uh, Maggie Smith is Professor McGonagall. I think that her as Professor McGonagall and Ruby and Robbie Coltrane as Hagrid are the best casting of this entire franchise. Because Alan Rickman didn't make sense at first. Now, once he was in the role, people were like, oh, he's doing an amazing job, job genius and everything. But you wouldn't picture Alan Rickman in a role that's described like Snape was in the books. I got I to gotta disagree with you on that one. Because... He uh, he was very um, uh, uh, slimy, scrawny. He's very you know he they they had to do a lot of makeup and wigs on on Alan Rickman to get the long greasy hair and everything like that. He was he was described as bat like. It just and Alan Rickman was a debonair you know dashing actor, mainly playing villains, so that helped and everything. But I I just think that 
you know his his casting was 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 amazing but it wasn't it was unexpected at first people weren't too sure how it was gonna I be i thought i thought his casting was spot on and also thought uh draco's was spot on could you see anybody else playing hagrid yes i couldn't i not not how he's described in the book john rise davies way too gruff and and um kind of uh i don't think he's as warm as robbie coltrane is you know what i mean i think Ro- robbie coltrane and even even uh i think jk Rowling said she had robbie coltrane in her mind yeah. when she wrote hagrid yeah. uh so I, th- I don't think she had ever envisioned anybody else playing yeah. it besides him um, I, I just think he did a great job, and of course Maggie Smith as, as Professor McGonagall. I, I I don't I don't think that there's another role I like her in more. No, no, one. I mean I agree with you on that one. I, I just think that somebody else, you know, there's the the amount of makeup they put on Robbie Coltrane. I just feel like that there could be a hundred other guys that could have done that. And 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 now with Draco, I I felt like it was spot on in the book, and then also same thing with Snape. In my and that's just my opinion, of course. But right, I I believe that those two were probably the most perfect casting for the film. Um, Snape and or I mean, sorry, a Malfoy and who? Uh, Snape. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get into the movie. We'll we'll get into more stuff as we go along, but um, once to at least get in the movie, we'll hit these as we go. Um, so, uh, we open up the movie, um, and um. We're on a, a street late at night, and uh, we see um, this old guy. He pulls out this device. He starts putting out these lights. He clicks it, and these lights fly from the, the lamppost to the uh, little device, and they go out, And which doesn't make sense to us. So we know something supernatural is going on or something. But make sure you remember that part, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. As you were saying last time. Last time. Um, yeah. <laughs> remember, remember that part because that will definitely come back. Uh, the 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 putter outer. That's what it's called. Is yes. the putter outer. Well, and if you think about it, what we get. Uh, let's see. We get the the putter outer. We get the snitch in this episode. But uh, what was the one the, the the book? The one thing that we don't get in this first uh, movie is the book. The uh, oh, you're just talking about the gift, the book. gifts yeah. that are given to. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So for some reason. The kids are given gifts in a later book and a later movie as well, uh, and um, they they're they're gifted these from Dumbledore and certain people. Yeah, the the put outer comes back, the snitch comes back, all that. Yeah. Um. So um, he talks to a cat, and uh, the cat turns into Professor McGonagall. So she's been hanging around watching uh harry's aunt and uncle that he's coming to right so he's been watching this family all day you know she made a a point of saying you know are the rumors true and uh, dumbledore says i'm afraid so so what happened is that um harry's harry potter's parents were just killed Mm -hmm. and um but voldemort's gone and the only survivor in this attack against harry's parents was harry voldemort can't be found Harry's parents were found dead, and Harry was found as a baby just there with a scar on his head. So uh, Dumbledore has... And, and and it's so awesome who is the one that finds him. You know, it's so awesome that, that it's that character, which we won't, we don't have to talk about it now, but the character that actually finds Harry after his parents are gone and Voldemort's gone. 
Yeah, well, there's two people, really. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the person that stumbles upon the scene first, and then the other person, which is Hagrid, yeah. um, who the baby is given to, and uh, Hagrid brings the baby to Little Whinging Surrey here um, to be uh, placed with his aunt and uncle, who probably want nothing to do with him at this point. Um, so, but she said, you know, are the rumors true? But she had been hanging around the house all day. So it was like she already knew that it was true and came here to see how these people were. And I think it was just a, a quirky way to introduce McGonagall. But it was like, if she's here, she already knows that the rumors are true. Well, maybe she's busy out there chasing tail. Get it? Get it. Because she's a cat? Yep. Uh, so in the book, you know, it has Vernon. It, it really doesn't focus on her or Dumbledore at all. It focuses on Vernon. He goes to work. And, uh, you know, they're, they just had a baby. And... Uh, but he starts seeing all these weird things happen, like weird showers of shooting stars and fireworks, and mm-hmm. he'd be seeing people in weird robes talking ab- about how it's finally over, and they're yeah. all happy and all this kind of stuff. So, um, But anyways, we find out that um, that this, uh, this baby, um, something happened to his parents, and this real big half-giant named Rubius Hagrid, uh, who's a friend of Dumbledore and, and Professor McGonagall's, uh, delivers the baby uh, Harry to... Um, Dumbledore and Dumbledore drops the baby off at his aunt and uncle's Petunia and Vernon Um, we find out later why he does that we don't really need to get into it now but there's a certain reason why Harry has to stay with these horrible horrible people and as crappy as it is it it, I mean I guess in this world it does make sense Mm -hmm. so yeah you know I I was just thinking about this and I I didn't mention it last time but uh, you know it's weird to think of this but Dumbledore probably shouldn't have been the headmaster. Like, I don't think he should have been a teacher. Like, he's not the teacher kind of person. Yeah, well, he he's looks, always putting cares, kids in danger. Well, that, and he doesn't really <laughs> seem to like any kids. You know, I mean, he likes Harry and a couple of the kids, but he's all about taking down uh, uh, Voldemort, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, taking down evil kind of thing. It's like, you know, he would have been better as an aura than a head even a teacher or a headmaster yeah, i was thinking about that i was like you know he didn't really teach any kids like the the entire any of the movies that we read or watched i mean he didn't really teach any of the kids anything except for to, how to get into mischief yeah it's then you know the reason for that the the reason for that is he's been asked to be an or he's been asked to be the minister of magic many many times mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's always turned it down because dumbledore fears power because he knows what he like he's like because with he, power because he used to be that way exactly and he knows that if he tries to take anything and 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 what what a lot of people don't know about Dumbledore is that he you know and you, we'll get into it more as we go along with these stories and everything but um, Dumbledore had a very troubled past um, <clears throat> he was a believer in the Deathly Hallows which we'll get into he had a like I said a very troubled past and. He didn't do very well when he got accolades. and <clears throat> When he was in school, everybody talked about him. He was the best. He was got all these accolades. Dumbledore is amazing. He's going to be the next Minister of Magic. He's going to be all this, this. And this is just when he was going to school. He got such a big head on that. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like a Malfoy or, or one of these people. You know, he's a Gryffindor. But he got such a big head about that that it kind of consumed him a bit for a little while mm-hmm. um and he liked the power and then he started searching for more power 
and it ended up in tragedy. And so he made himself stay at the school to be a teacher and eventually headmaster because um, you have more of an influence if you have the right mindset, which he had the right mindset there. Um, he had he could have a good influence on the kids, and he would never want to be an aura or a minister of magic because he's afraid of giving himself any kind of power again. Which is kind of weird because if you really think about it, he has all he, that power. He has over all the that power uh, over the students. It's like having a a very powerful uh, tiny army. As much as he's, but I think he more wanted to influence the kid, and as much as he's you know afraid of power or whatever i think that he feels okay i'm limited here the ministry could still put sanctions at which they yeah. do and order the phoenix and everything so yeah. anyways um <clears throat> so we flash forward 10 years later and it's just before it's right before uh henry or henry harry's 11th birthday um i'll start coming and delivering mail we we well we find out first that he lives under the cupboard uh, and, and it locks from the outside. So when he's put in there at nighttime, he's locked. I'd feel so claustrophobic with no airflow or anything. Um, but anyways, he's, he's, he doesn't have a room. He sleeps in this in the little storage space under the stairs. And uh, he, he's not very treated very well. He's wearing these clothes that are two sizes or three sizes too big for him. They're mm -hmm. obviously hand-me-downs. He's never had real clothes bought just for him ever in his life. Um, he doesn't even have a bedroom. His cousin, who's spoiled, has two bedrooms, um, which isn't really addressed in the movie. But um, he does have two bedrooms, and Harry's forced there. He's forced to cook the food when he wakes up. He's forced to do the, all these chores. Dudley doesn't do anything. His cousin just sits around. You never see him actually going to, like, actual school. Now, like well, Harry? Yeah. Well, it's summertime whenever it opens up. Yeah. But, I mean, he did go to, like, the primaries, what they call it in England. And then, you know, once they reach a certain age, then they go off. And it's like they stay in dorms for the whole year. So they're actually yeah. away from their parents yeah. all year. So, and they were planning on sending him to some real strict, yeah. like, like almost prison type of school um, before he got these letters. So um, we find out, you know, after... Dudley's whole birthday thing or whatever. We start getting letters from um, Hogwarts addressed to uh, addressed to Harry. Um, right before that happens, they go to the zoo and uh, they have a little experience with a snake. And uh, I'm only mentioning this because it, it becomes relevant as the movies go along. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, he accidentally made the glass between you know the viewing area and where the snake is at disappear. Dudley fell in the snake got out and they were actually able to talk to each other mm -hmm. and he was just talking normal English and the snake would understand him um, we'll get into that more later but well, he does he really set a, wasn't speaking normal English though. right it's but to us to he was yeah so um so anyways the the snake escapes um the the uncle realizes okay he's Harry's done this somehow because the uncle knows about magic and so does the aunt because they knew that Harry's parents were were witches and uh, a witch and wizard so um, it doesn't explain it in the movie, but in the book, there are a lot of instances of him growing up where he's been using magic by accident. Like um, uh, Petunia would cut his hair real nasty, like with scissors, and it would just be uneven and real, real, real short, and he hated it. And he went to bed, and the next morning, his hair would be grown back as normal. Frustrator. Uh, there was another one where she had like a vest or a sweater or something. It was some kind of ugly thing that she was trying to get him to try on. And it, he hated it so much it kept shrinking and shrinking until it was like the size of a dish rag. 
stuff like that. So they know that he's got these magic powers and everything, and they know that it was coming. But now these letters start arriving from Hogwarts saying, yeah. hey, you've been accepted. And it's even addressed to uh, Harry Potter, cupboard under the stairs. You know, so they know that they've, uh, they're, um, Petunia and, and Vernon know that the wizards and witches know that they're keeping him under the stairs. Yeah, yeah. So it's it, in the second movie, you see he has a room. He's finally moved into the second, Dudley's second bedroom. Uh-huh. Uh, but it actually happens in this book. In the first book, yeah. they, they're like, oh, they get real nervous that, uh-huh. <laughs> that they've been watched. CPS you know, abusing him or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wizard CPS. Yeah. So uh, they go ahead and move into the room into this first book, but. <clears throat> Um, anyways, uh, it drives it drives Vernon and Petunia crazy. They're trying to keep him away from the magic magic world, so they won't let him open the letter. They eventually go away from the house because these owls keep delivering the letters, and they find themselves on an island on a lighthouse out in the middle of the ocean. Uh, and uh, who knocks at the door? Right, Rob, at, Robbie Coltrane. That's right. Right, right when uh, it turns midnight and it's officially ha- uh, Harry's birthday, there's a slamming at the door, and in walks Hagrid. Which is funny because like Robbie Coltrane sounds like it's a guy named that like does jazz or something. Yeah, Robbie yeah. Coltrane. Yeah. Some kind of like uh, it's like Soul Train. Yeah, the Soul Train <laughs> yeah. Awards or whatever. But it's Coltrane. Yeah, it just seems like he's supposed to be doing jazz music. <laughs> So, anyways, he he goes and and tells Harry, "Hey, uh, you know, you're you're a wizard." And and Harry's you're like, "What wizard, are you talking Harry? about? Who are you?" And who are you? Rubius Hagrid, keeper of keys and grounds at Hogwarts. Of course, you'll know all about Hogwarts. Sorry, no. No. Blimey, Harry! Didn't you ever wonder where your mum and dad learned it all? Learned what? You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? A wizard and a thumping good one, I'd wager, once you trade up a little. No, you've made a mistake. I mean, I can't be a, a, a wizard. I mean, I'm just Harry. Just Harry. Well, just Harry. Did you ever make anything happen? Anything you couldn't explain when you were angry or, or scared? But yeah, he told him he's a wizard and that his his parents uh, were wizards too. And uh, he had always been told that his parents died in a car crash, which infuriates Hagrid to no end. Yeah. It will not be clean, I tell you. We swore when we took him in we'd put a stop to all this rubbish. You knew. You knew all along and you never told me. Of course we knew. How could you not be? My perfect sister being who she was. Mother and father were so proud of the day she got her letter. We have a witch in the family. Isn't it wonderful? I was the only one to see her for what she was. A freak. And then she met that Potter. And then she had you and I knew you would be the same. Just as strange, just as abnormal. And then, if you please, she went and got herself blown up. And we got landed with you. Blown up? You told me my parents died in a car crash. A car crash? A car crash killed Lillian James Potter? You had to say something. It's an outrage. It's a scandal. And then Vernon and Petunia are like, no, he's not going to be going to this magic school. And... Uh, he's like, who's you know, taught by some crackpot old fool or whatever. Which and is so hilarious because it's like, 
they don't even want him there. Like, that has been a, you know, it is, I mean, to the point where they literally almost tell him, we don't want you here. It's all about their control, though. Yeah. They hate like, wizards in the magic world so much, and Petunia is really just jealous, but they think they're such weirdos and freaks that um, they want to stamp it out as much as they can. And they have this authority over this boy, so they decided, no, he's not going to be one of those freaks. We're going to make sure we stamp this out. Um, well, which, especially, and they and what they really don't realize is that they have authority over like the chosen one, you know. And as we know, if you try to suppress somebody with magic, it comes with very bad consequences, which we'll get into later on. Correct. Um, so, anyways, uh, he opens a letter, finds out he's been accepted. Uh, Hagrid tells him his parents uh, they were great witches and wizards, but doesn't really tell him how they die. It doesn't really tell him how they die, but he's like, it definitely wasn't a car crash. Yeah. Um, so they decide to go. In the book, the, he went to sleep, and they waited till morning, mm-hmm. and they got up before everybody else did, and they left. But uh, in this movie, they go ahead and leave. Um, they go to uh, – and, and <laughs> right before they leave, he was eating the cake. Yeah. Uh, Dudley was eating the cake, and, uh, and Hagrid gave the tail. Uh, what's funny about it is that uh, the book explains that the tail never went away, and they actually had to have it, like, surgically removed. Yeah. So I think J.K. Rowling must have based that kid off of someone she really hated. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe that she was related to? Yeah, maybe. What were you about to say? Uh, they left and went to their local 7-Eleven, right? Uh, basically, yes. yes right. they to pick to, up a hot dog. Uh, or a, a chicken roller. Yeah. A buffalo chi- chicken roller. Buffalo chicken. Uh, so they go to um, the Leaky seven, Cauldron oh, in London. Okay. That's in London. Remember part three. Um, so they go to the Leaky Cauldron, and uh, he's like, okay, we're going to take you here so you can get your school supplies to go to school, all your magic supplies. Um, he There he meets Quirrell, Professor Quirrell, who's a teacher at the school, and uh, he's very stuttery, very nervous, and he's got a turban on, and he doesn't want to shake Harry's hand. Uh, but Harry's introduced Which to the... Which we find out there's more of a reason. There's more of a reason to that. Harry is introduced to the whole bar, and everybody realizes he's Harry Potter, and he and this is where Harry finds out that he's well-known, right? Yeah, I mean, literally. It's like Cheers, right? Everybody knows his name when he goes in there. Everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you can. Famous actors were on that show. A lot of them. There's so many. I mean, even guest actors. There was quite a few famous yeah. actors. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good guests on there. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, uh, they all find out that he's Harry Potter. This is where Harry realizes he's famous, and he doesn't know why he's famous. Um. Everybody shakes his hand. They go out to the back, and he taps some bricks, and suddenly this huge portal opens up. Not huge, but this portal opens up, and they go into this huge like subsection world of London that I guess nobody can see or get to. Um, and it's called what is it called? The uh the gr- uh the bank, right? No, no. The uh, what's what's the place that they go to? What's the whole place called? The magical place? Oh, oh, behind the Leaky Cauldron. Disney. Diagon Alley. Oh, sorry, I thought it meant like Disneyland. No, di- and of course, this is a play on words. If it's Diagon Alley, like an alley, and it's where all the diagonally. shops, but diagonally. Um, and then the dark part of that place is called Nocturne alley as in nocturnal, nocturnal. Yeah. oh because yeah, it's the dark it. place right? i get it yeah, it's the cd dark place the where dark. you can deal in the black market magic artifacts and different things that like congress or like hagrid's down there yeah. looking for uh stuff yeah. to kill weeds in the next movie i started watching that one really movie. um 
So he goes there, and uh, this is where he goes to the bank. Gringotts, he sees the goblins for the fire first time, and he handles it pretty well for seeing goblins and not being warned about it. Um, well, he just literally saw his cousin get a, 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 a pigtail put on <laughs> by a magic wand, by a magic giant that had an umbrella, and then basically <laughs> shipped him off on a flying motorcycle. So I'm pretty sure at this point he's just like, hey, let's just go with it. Yeah, it, well, it was a rowboat in the, the book. That's yeah. how he got to the thing. But Point being still yeah. stands. You know, it's it's you know he's at that point now where he's like, well, I'm pretty much open for everything because I don't know what the hell's going on. Well, and if he tells Harry to th- threaten his cousin when he gets mm-hmm. back, if he has any problems, to, to give him some ears to match the tail. And I'm Such like, violence. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that he gets in trouble for doing that. Stop Correct. telling him to do magic outside yeah. of school. You're going to get his wand taken away. But Hagrid. Spelled, but Hagrid. As happens later yeah, on. It's, it's against the rules to use magic outside you of Hogwarts. Like <laughs> Hagrid. I was going more for Quill. No, you definitely sounded like McGonagall. Okay. So uh, they go to they go to Gringotts. Julia Childs, maybe. <laughs> they go to Gringotts. He sees the goblins. They go down to the safe, and he finds out he has a safe in a bank he never knew about. Some magic bank. Yeah. And there's a stack of gold there. Yeah. I mean, more more than little John has. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, that little John. I, yeah. Immediately, when you said little John, I went to uh, Robin, Robin Hood. Hood yes. but, that, but that's because you said little John. No, I said little John. No, you said little John. No, little John. The, yeah, it's little John, but you said little John. He got more gold. He got more gold than little John. <laughs> yeah, more, more, I mean, could, more gold it, it than could his actually grill. Be, could actually be placed for little John from Robin Hood, too, because he had a lot of gold because yeah. he stole it all. Yeah, it was more, well, yeah. Okay, so they go in there and they see this big stack of gold. It's never really explained in the movie, but he's like, you didn't think your mom or dad didn't leave you anything, did you? So anyways, he's had this huge stack of gold. He's, he's just, like, I wish I would have known about this about 10 years ago. Yeah, like, so he finds out that his dad, and in the movie you find out his dad is rich. Well, his dad's family was rich. Um, not Malfoy rich, but they were they were pretty well off. Um, probably the richest people in Godric's Hollow. Correct. So um, James, Harry's father, inherited this money. And uh, years after these books came out, J.K. Rowling said on Pottermore that the reason that the Potters were so rich was because James inherited it from his rich family. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's, uh, and his family's, his family's ancestors, uh, probably a couple of generations before that, created Skelligro among many other things. And yeah. Skelligro comes into Chamber of Secrets where, you know, he loses his bone in his arm because of what's his name. But um, yeah, they, they make Viagra for that now too, <laughs> though, right? <laughs> so you don't have a limp arm. Yeah. You know, so uh, he makes Skelligro, and, but I guess there were some other inventions, but basically that's why they're so rich is because they had these cool inventions, kind of like the, uh, the Weasley twins, mm-hmm. you know, except for not pranks or whatever. But. Right. Um, so uh, they, they pick up that. They go to pick up his owl, get his books, and then he goes to the wand store, and you get to meet Ollivander, played by John Hurt. Yeah. So played by John Hurt, who, as you know, was the chest burster from the alien. He was the guy who the alien bursted from his chest and everything had that Yeah, it seemed like he's scene. recouping very well. Yes, and he got a lot older since then. Yes. Um, and so now he sells wands, apparently. He sends, sells wands and has for thousands of years, because it says that it was established a long time ago. Maybe his family or whatever, but it... I don't know. It, it, he, his knowledge of people and wands and everything. He was giving wands away, like, what was it? Uh, had to have been 40 years ago, if this is in the 90s and um, Voldemort came to school in, what, the 40s or 50s, right? Something like that. I don't know. 
he's got to be real old but I, I think they do say that the wizards in this world do have like extended lives like they can live over 100 years old mm-hmm. and i think dumbledore was was well up there but yeah um so uh, nicholas flamel obviously in this movie can live longer but he's got the stone to help yeah, him but so. you know even all the way out to uh the what movie uh was it this movie that he that finally nicholas famel uh was saying like yeah he He's finally just going to die, basically. That, that's at the end of this movie. That's we don't right. actually see him in any other Harry Potter movies. I believe he was in one of the Fantastic Beasts movies. Uh, I can't remember, though. Um, but anyways, they, they go through, and he, he goes tries different wands. And in the book, they, the wands just don't. Like, he takes he takes the wands away before Harry even tries to flick it. Mm-hmm. In the movie, he keeps destroying stuff. But it's like Ollivander knows the wand so well that as soon as he goes to do something, Wong, uh, Ollivander quickly takes it away. He's like, nope, not that one, not that one. Like, he can sense it or whatever. Yeah. So he finally goes, I wonder, and tries out this one wand. And we find out that this wand is perfect for Harry. And you find out that the wand chooses the wizard, which means if you use somebody else's wand, it might not work very well mm-hmm. for you unless it chooses you or unless you, you win, win it in combat, yeah. which it would choose you then. So it's all about the wand choosing the wizard. So um, that's, this wand chose Harry. Obviously, Harry was marked on his forehead whenever um, Voldemort did what he did. So um, the Ollivander tells him that um, he, who, uh, he who we do not speak of, uh, or he who must not be named, Voldemort, um, people don't even want to say his name anymore because 10 years ago he was just killing everybody. Yeah. So they find out, he finds out that... that, that um, that the phoenix and this ends up being dumbledore's phoenix uh gave two feathers and every wand has a core and it has some some kind of a magical being material in the core so there are unicorn hair there's phoenix feathers there's a dragon heart string there's i think there's another one but those are like the, the main ones and then you have different types of wood and different lengths and you know all that kind of stuff so uh, he finds out that there that his wand has a phoenix feather in it, and that the phoenix only gave one other feather in one other wand, and mm-hmm. you find out that that was Voldemort's, which was like like I said, like forty years ago or thirty years ago or however long it was that he went to Hogwarts, um, and you know, so I guess Harry's wand has been sitting in there for quite some time, right? Mm-hmm. So he finds out about Voldemort, and they go to the Leaky Cauldron, where he asks Hagrid, what happened? And this is my favorite scene of the movie, just because he really goes into the background of everything that happens. And he even tells Harry, he's like, okay. It was dark times, Harry, dark times. Voldemort started to gather some followers, brought them over to the dark side. Anyone that stood up him ended up dead. Your parents fought against him. But nobody lived once he decided to kill him. Nobody, not one, except you. Me. Voldemort tried to kill me. Yes. That ain't no ordinary cut on your forehead, Harry. A mark like that only comes from being touched by a curse and an evil curse at that. What happened to you know who? Well, some say he died. 
codswallop, in my opinion. Nope. I reckon he's out there still. Too tired to carry on. But one thing's absolutely certain. Something about you stumped him that night. That's why you're famous. That's why everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You're the boy who lived. They're killing everybody out here. Yeah. Dumbledore started a movement to fight against him called um, the uh, Order of the Phoenix. And uh, Harry's parents, among others, were part of that. And they were kind of actively, but, you know... Uh, they were fighting against Voldemort, but, you know, they were kind of this secret group that would do their own right. missions and everything. Um, for some reason, Voldemort got in his head to kill Harry, which we find out later what the reason is. But he got it in his head to kill Harry. So he went there to kill Harry uh, and killed Harry's parents uh, before he tried to kill Harry. And we're just going to go ahead and state this out right now so you can keep it in your minds as we go through these movies. But um, the reason that Harry survived was because Harry, uh, right before he was killed, his mother stepped in between them. Voldemort, which we won't say why, but Voldemort did not necessarily want to kill Lily at that moment. He was willing to let her live if she would move out of the way. And, of course, no mother's going to do that. And so we find the reason why later. I right. Mean. And so she moves, she, she stands in the way and <clears throat> he kills her. But in doing that, she cast a protective spell naturally in, in sacrificing her life for Harry's and, and being a magical person. It casts a protective spell over Harry where he couldn't be touched by that person who had killed his mom. So basically Voldemort from that point on couldn't touch him. So when he shot the killing curse at Harry, it bounced off of Harry and, and destroyed Voldemort's body. <clears throat> Voldemort didn't die, which we'll find out later why, but he was tethered to the earth, and but he was just around as a spirit, mm-hmm. and not a very strong spirit either. Uh, his body had been destroyed, but that's what caused that mark on, on, Harry's, on Harry's head. And Hagrid tells him, something about you stumped him that night, but ever since then you've been known as the boy who lived. Yeah. Because nobody lived once Voldemort got it into his mind to kill somebody. Right. So that's what he explains Let to alone, him. You know, kill themselves <laughs> yeah exactly. or, or, or kill him you know yeah so uh from there we go on to uh to the train station and uh we get to meet the weasleys uh he doesn't know how to get to platform 93 quarters because there's no such thing and um i think lucas went to england and went to the platform 93 yeah, quarters where you can grab onto the cart or whatever mm-hmm. but um so we meet the weasleys uh, particularly, we meet uh, Jenny very briefly. We meet Ron, and we, we we meet the twins and the mom. Right. The mom is awesome. Uh, Julie Walters is her name, I think. Yeah. Waters or Walters. Um, great actress, and she she plays uh, um, Mrs. Weasley just absolutely perfect. Oh yeah. And uh, we meet the twins, Fred and George. And uh, on screen, they always say Fred and George. They never say George and Fred. It's always Fred and George. And on the screen, if you'll notice, the the, the, the twin that plays Fred is always on the left, and the one that says George is always on the right. Right. So as you look at them, you look at them like you say it. Fred, George. Left, right, Fred, George. Uh, is it getting too hot? <laughs> so anyways, we got Fred and George in here, and um, anytime you ever see them on screen, and I think even towards, well, I, I don't want to get into that. Yeah. But. <clears throat> Um, so anyways, they get on the train and, uh, and Harry meets Ron, uh, Ron's a kind of a downtrodden kid, uh, like he is. 
Um, he doesn't have. They don't have much. He's very poor and all that kind of stuff. Basically, what Harry's been. But he's a pure blood. He comes from pure blood. Right, right. The Weasleys, the Potters. Well, before before Lily. Yeah. But uh, and the Malfoys. I mean, these are the Longbottoms. These were all pure blood families, right? But. You know, it's just people like Malfoy's who are in Slytherin who take it to the next level. Right. But, um, you know, Harry spent his whole life poor. So when he sees that Ron just has like this smush sandwiches, a train, uh, the snack for the train ride, he's like, you know what? <clears throat> One of the first things he does once he has money is shares it. Yeah. He buys the entire car and they, they veg out on, on candy. I thought that was kind of a jerk move. He's like, we'll take all of it. And I'm like. Man, you're not going to leave any for any of the other kids on the train that might want candies. What if they are going by the cart and they're like, where's the candy cart? Matt, Everybody's going to hate they're, Harry. They're magicians, and I'm pretty sure she can stock it instantly. Wow. They never stated that. So all I think of but is, it never stated it. is it how- It didn't state it either. It, it, it wouldn't be good to start off like that because everybody would hate him then. They're like, look, this dude's just going to spend his money. It's kind of a Malfoy move, if you ask me. Yeah, golly. But anyway, so we get to see them. They, they kind of talk back and forth. Obviously, Ron knows who Harry Potter is. And when he asks to see the scar, he's like, wicked. And, you know, mm-hmm. Harry thinks that's cool that somebody thinks the scar is mm-hmm. cool. And um, we get to meet Hermione. She comes in, and she's Emma Watson is just absolutely amazing as uh, <laughs> as Hermione because she just, she just is that snobby, snobbery person, right? Mm-hmm. So, J.K. Uh, Rowling wasn't sure about Emma Watson because she said Hermione isn't meant to be pretty. You know, her hair is much worse in the book. It's it's just crazy, always bushy. Uh, she has buck teeth. She didn't want her to be attractive, you yeah. know. Uh, she is, you know, so, just so she was liked for her Im- impeccable magic skills. Her brain rather than her body. Exactly, or her face or her looks yeah. or whatever. But she thought Emma killed it, so she was she was okay because her snobbery came out in in those lines and everything she's like okay well she'll be unattractive for her attitude yeah <laughs> i guess yeah. and you know be appreciated for her work still or for her, her magic skills so um we also get to meet neville along the way on this trip he's extremely important in the future kind of uh mm-hmm. but for now he's just played for laughs he's mm-hmm. kind of the the uh the, the laugh him and dean uh him and seamus are uh kind of the the uh comedic relief or whatever right so um, when they get to Hogwarts, we meet uh, Tom Felton, who plays Draco Malfoy. I think he he was always just fantastic in his role. He just mm-hmm. played such a smarmy, jackass little kid that you wanted to slap. Uh, but his role, the actors, I'll say at least, above all, besides Rickman maybe, uh, he was l- the least like his character mm-hmm. because they said that he was an absolute sweetheart and he's yeah. just a, a horrible person in the movie. Yeah. So. Yeah, what do you think of the castle? I thought it was pretty cool. Like, it's kind of what I imagined when I was reading the books. Um, Very iconic. You know, I did see the first two movies, right? But it was just a lot more... Yeah, it's very iconic. I mean, that's why, you know, you'll you'll find at Universal, they literally have a... Uh, uh, a whole model of it. Yeah, and I'm going to reference one of our earlier episodes when uh, we were talking about 10 Things I Hate About You, and I said, this has got to be the most iconic school in all of movie history, and you're like, no. And I'm like, what? And you're like, Harry Potter school. Yeah. You're like, Hogwarts. <laughs> Hogwarts. And I was like, no, that's from the book, and it's adapted. You're like, nope, still a movie. I'm yep. like, all right, whatever. <laughs> but in real real world schools, definitely 10 Things I Hate About You school. But yeah, this mm-hmm. is very good. And then what they did was they went and took a lot of pictures of churches and castles all over uh the uk and everything and kind of just 
composite it into this model that they use for all the movies. Mm-hmm. And it changed slightly, like where Hagrid's hut was and what it looked like. And um, some of the locations that they would film at, the the um, the Whomping Willow was in a different location uh, in later movies. But in the first two Chris Columbus movies, um, things will just look a little different than every other movie af- after that. But mm-hmm. um, And then we see, uh, we, we come into the Great Hall and we get to meet uh, all the teachers. We see Dumbledore again. We see McGonagall again. We see Hagrid. We see... Um, you know this place that uh, pretty much everybody who's ever watched the the Harry Potter movies ever has all wanted to go to the school and eat at this great hall with this amazing food that they have and everything. But um, we see the Sorting Hat. Uh, the sort the this hat sorts them into different houses. It uh, basically puts Draco in in Slytherin where he belongs, and I'm pretty sure everybody else goes to Gryffindor except for one person. Uh, we see Snape though, and Henry. Yeah, how do they do? Like they didn't do like. Uh, they weren't going in any kind of order. It was really weird. They, they in the it. book, they went alphabetically, but in the movie, they were just trying to get like just, the main people. Yeah, I think they got one person in in Hufflepuff, but then it was like Malfoy, Ron, Harry, and Hermione. You yeah, know, exactly those people. So, uh, but then we see Snape, and and Harry's scar starts to burn a little bit when he's looking at Snape. Now there's somebody else talking to Snape at the moment mm-hmm. with his back turned, and uh, I think you can see that it's Quirrell. Uh, but as Harry's looking at Snape, his 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 um, star scar starts to burn. But Snape has a very interesting look when he's looking at Harry. Mm-hmm. He's like he's listening to Quirrell, but he's like he's got his eyes wide open. He's kind of like you know got his eyebrows bushed and 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 kind of like he's wondering what you know he's shocked. And I think what he what it is is that he's never he's only seen this baby once, which we'll get into when. But he he's seen this guy as a baby, and he hasn't seen him since. But now he sees this kid who looks exactly like his bully that was in school. As we find out later, uh, James was kind of a bully for a little while in school yeah. until he until he changed his ways. But um, he was a bully to Snape, and uh, Snape hated him. Snape hated James so much, and. Uh, so, so I, that's what I see. Whenever I see the scene, is one I see he looks at how much Harry looks like James, mm-hmm. like an exact replica, which is already going to make him and Harry just at odds because every time he looks at Harry, he's going to see his mm-hmm. tormentor from school. Um, but he also sees Harry's eyes, mm-hmm. and as we know, the most common thing it's mentioned in pretty much every book: you look so much like your father, except for your mother. You've got your mother's eyes. That's yeah. pretty much in verbatim what's said by every single person. To where Harry can then, you know, finish people's sentences mm-hmm. after a while. Um, so I think that this moment is Snape looking at how much he looks like James, but also recognizing that he definitely has Lily's eyes, mm-hmm. and it's it's something that Dumbledore told him a while ago too. So. Um so anyways they all get they all get sorted um and they all get into their respective houses there are four houses Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw and Slytherin they were all based on uh, very powerful wi- uh, wizards and witches back in the right day and uh, those were Godric Gryffindor no nope, can't uh Helga Hufflepuff Rowena Ravenclaw and Salazar Slytherin. Okay, yeah, I almost said you did that. better this time. Yeah, I think last time I said Helena Ravenclaw because yeah. I got her daughter or whatever. Mm-hmm. But obviously, Harry and everybody, pretty much all our main characters go to Gryffindor, uh, and all our bad people go to, to all the Slytherin. baddies. Yeah, we don't really see any Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. It's not really important during this movie, at mm-hmm. least. So we'll get more into those other houses and the people in those houses. Um, 
you know, they they make mention that any wizard who ever who's ever gone bad has always been in Slytherin. Yeah. Not saying that Slytherin will guarantee to make you bad, but everyone who has ever gone bad has been in Slytherin. And when he has the sorting hat out, um, he finds he hears that the sorting hat wants to put him in Slytherin. Yeah. It's more explained in the book, but you know he goes back and forth between Slytherin and. Uh, the, It'd be such a different movie if that happened. Yeah, like, so he's asking like, "Please don't put me in Slytherin." Please don't, please don't, please don't. Yeah, and so it puts him in Gryffindor. So he's in Gryffindor. He gets to see these paintings moving, which would be a creepy horror movie trope, but in this movie, it's played for gags and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there are ghosts that roam the castle, but they're playful, fun ghosts. And uh, <laughs> I think we have evil ghosts in this, but we also have playful ghosts. So it's very headless weird. Nick. Yeah, nearly headless Nick, yeah. played by the great John Cleese. Uh-huh. Um, so then Harry starts to study magic. You know, he learns uh, about more about a little bit more about his parents and Voldemort and uh, all these different things. Uh, he has a talent for broomstick flying. He uh, he learns how to fly a broomstick in. Uh, that class, and it's one thing that he does better than Hermione, right? Yeah. <clears throat> During the movie, they they like put their arms out and they're up, and the broomstick immediately comes to Harry's hand, mm-hmm. and it takes a while for others. Draco gets it up pretty good, and uh, Hermione Hermione just can't though. Yeah. Uh, it's the one thing you'll see throughout this whole thing that she can't do very well is flying a broomstick, and I don't know if that was done purposely because naturally, or I mean, typically you have witches flying on broomsticks. Yeah. But her being the one witch of the main three can't fly mm-hmm. fly a broomstick or whatever. But um, McGonagall sees him flying a broomstick, and she's like, I want you to be a seeker. And uh, it, it's part of this, this game called Quidditch. Uh, and um, a seeker is one of like the most coveted roles in that because they're really, usually the stars that end up winning and finishing the game. Um, but... Um, he's like, I don't, I don't know why I'm so good at this or that. And then Hermione goes, I do. Let me show you. It's in your blood. And they go to this trophy cabinet. He sees that James Potter won awards as a seeker when he was in school. So he sees that it's a natural skill that he got from his father. Yeah. Nothing to do with Voldemort. You're going to find a lot of Harry's powers and his, his powerful abilities in these movies are all attributed to Voldemort because when he went and shot that curse at Harry as a baby and it bounced off and destroyed Voldemort's body, um, a bit of, we'll just say what they say in this movie because you find out it's a bit more complicated than that. But in this movie, they explain a bit of Voldemort's power latched itself onto Harry. Mm -hmm. So Harry's only so powerful and only capable of doing all these things because he's got a bit of Voldemort in him and Voldemort was very powerful. So, um, but the one thing that he didn't get from Voldemort is the flying the broom. That That's a talent. That's a natural talent that came from his dad. Mm-hmm. You know, certain smarts that came from his mom and all that kind of stuff. But um, so anyways, he, he, he does that. But one time whenever they're um, trying to go back to the common room, the staircases start to change and they go to the third floor, which was said to be restricted. Uh, and that's where they discover a three-headed dog named Fluffy. Mm-hmm. And it freaks them out, and they run away. And they're like, what the heck is that thing for? But I think one of them says, I think they, they look like it was guarding something. Yeah. But they weren't sure what. Um, so we go to Halloween. Um, and in, in one of their magic classes, Hermione is being a little, a little too snobbish. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's trying to help, but she just doesn't have very good social skills, you know. So I think she's yeah, trying she to help. She doesn't play well with others, Yeah, basically. she just kind of comes off as 
you know, a jerk way. Well, because she thinks she's the smartest, be- best and person. Is. And she is. Rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. She thinks she's the smartest, best wizard uh, in the entire program. Literally, the other professors have told her that and told other people that literally she is the, I mean, even villain. I'm not villains, but what is it? Who is it? Uh, uh, Sirius said that to her. He said, you you truly are uh, the the brightest brightest witch of your generation yeah yeah like yeah so you know it, it, it's funny because and we might have a uh retract on that one because i'm not sure if it was either him it or, was serious because i was okay. trying to remember who it was and i thought dumbledore but as soon as you said that i'm like yeah it's one of the things that uh serious says to her in azkaban he goes you truly are the brightest witch of your that's age. what i'm saying like somebody that barely knows her already can pick that up you, you already know, see it and everything yeah. um so uh, what do you think about what do you think about Quidditch? It seemed like a lot of fun, but it's extremely dangerous for you know twelve year olds to be doing. Yeah, it, I think it annoys. Uh, a actually, lot. it's 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 completely dangerous for anybody. To well, do. yeah, and anything in the magic yeah. world is going to be dangerous. And really, it's 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 an England thing. I think you know. I mean, it's not as as nerfed as we have over but here. But it's in talking the about soccer. It's it which they well, call yeah. football, but I don't care. Which which. Kind of, football. I was thinking about that the other day. You know, football in uh, for it to be called football makes more sense than for what we call football. Well, yeah, of course, because we kicked the ball once. Yeah, but we're Americans, <laughs> so we can do whatever we want to. <laughs> so this this game annoys a lot of fans because the snitch being worth 150 points and it ending the game and all that. I mean, each point, I think each each goal is worth 10 points, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's one of these things where. Uh, basically, what getting the snitch does is it it ends the game, it stops the game right there as soon as mm-hmm. the snitch is found, and uh, it's an automatic 150 points. So it doesn't automatically mean you win because if somebody else, if the other team is like 300 points ahead of you, yeah, and you catch the snitch, you get 150 points, but you're still 150 points behind. Right, right, right. So you, it doesn't mean you win the game. So it would actually do better for your team to make sure that the other seeker didn't get it and give your team a little bit more time to catch up before then you catch it so i mean it it does have some some strategy to it and everything but uh and they play it on colleges nowadays um i think i've seen some with like um um segways and everything or but they're just running around with brooms in between their legs but so dumb it is it's just like this is a game that only works in in magic in the magic world now once you get from flying brooms Let's let's hit up Elon Musk. I bet he's got that on his radar. <laughs> so on Halloween, uh, Ron insults uh, Hermione after she's showing off and everything, and uh, she gets upset and spends the whole day crying in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Well, they're eating uh, dinner at Halloween, and Quirrell comes running in, screaming. <laughs> passed out uh all scared uh, acting and everything and uh so everybody screams dumbledore's like look everybody go back to your dorms the teachers are going to go down we're going to find this troll take care of it so they all split up and then uh ron and hermione like oh or ron and harry like oh we gotta go get hermione she doesn't know she's been crying Mm -hmm. in the bathroom all day yeah and nobody knows she's in there i mean literally any of those teachers could have handled that troll by themselves right right one hand tied behind yeah just figured out different ways but anyways so they go down to the bathroom they find the troll going into the bathroom that hermione's in very rude i don't know if he knows the bathroom policies and all that 
Yeah. So, anyways, um, cut it out. Cut it out. So he goes in there, attacks Hermione uh, between Ron and, and Harry. And they, I had that toy, by the way. I, just I remember. Gotta, I, I got to make a point about that. But yeah, that, me, that was before we'd even really oh, gotten into all of oh, it. Oh, I know. Yeah, like, I just thought the toy was cool, and I still, I believe, I still own that toy. You and you and Ashley pretty, went. Oh and got yeah, that, yeah. Didn't and, you? and another one of our friends. Yeah, we we we. Uh, we definitely went to, I think it was a Target or something like that. That we I had seen do. the movie because I got dragged to it. This is before I read yeah. the books or anything. But he but came with the club and everything. Yeah. The club, I have no clue where it is at. But I'm pretty sure I still have him intact somewhere uh, in a in my garage. Yeah, I had seen the movie, but uh, and I so I knew that what the troll was, but I was like, uh, I, I didn't really care about it at the time yeah. or whatever, but it was it was a cool toy. I do remember you having that. But anyways, they, they take care of it pretty well, and the teachers are pretty like, shocked but um harry notices that uh snape's leg is all bloody and cut up and shredded um and so he thought, thought that was pretty interesting and snape kind of tries to hide it um and so uh da, 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 da. And so anyways hermione takes the blame so that the boys don't get in trouble and right. everything so uh, along the way the uh the three discover that that fluffy the three-headed dog um, that almost got them is actually guarding something called the Philosopher's Stone. This between, um, but um, the movie says the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> so in England, it was called the Philosopher's Stone when she wrote the book. Um, when the publishers went to uh, the the Amer- the U.S. publishers went to do the book, they thought that that it was a very soft sounded title. They wanted it to be a little bit more punchy, and so Sorcerer sounded a lot. You know, not as nerfed as philosopher sounds. Philosopher sounds fluffy. Yeah, but they, they, told, they totally skipped over Sharknado. They let that one go. <laughs> I don't think that was a UK release, but but that's what I'm saying. In America, they let that one go. Yeah. So the 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 Sorcerer's Stone or the Philosopher's Stone, uh, it's a magical object. It's a stone that can turn you know metal into gold, produce an immortality elixir. So it was owned by this guy named Nicholas Flamel, who has been alive forever because he uses the stone to keep this this elixir to keep him going. And we find out that um, uh, through newspapers and stuff that that vault, uh, when when Hagrid and Harry went to the Gringotts, they went to Harry's vault, but they also went to this other vault uh, and got something that Hagrid couldn't tell Harry about. He's like, this is confidential, secret, can't tell you, this is between me and Dumbledore. So they find out in papers that that same vault that had that stone in it was robbed. And uh, it was robbed like around the beginning of the school year. So he found that kind of interesting because there was something in there that he wasn't able to know about. And he eventually finds out that it's the the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, And Harry uh, suspects that it's Snape that wants the stone because um, there are rumors about, you know, him being a little maybe on Voldemort's side and him not being so good and everything. So he thinks that Snape wants to return Voldemort to physical form and everything. Um, so they keep asking Hagrid. They keep going back and forth and, and uh, to Hagrid. And how many times did he say, you know, oh, shouldn't have told you that. I should not have told you that. That thing has a name. Well, of course he's got a name. He's mine. I bought him off an Irish fella I met down the pub last year. Then I lent him to Dumbledore to guard the... Yes? Shouldn't have said that. No more questions. What that dog is guarding is strictly between Professor Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. Nicholas Flamel? I shouldn't have said that. I should not have said that. I shouldn't have said that. Ain't no one gonna get past Fluffy. (laughs) Ain't a soul knows how. Except for me and Dumbledore. I shouldn't have told you that. I should not have told you that. 
Take Fluffy, for example. Just play him a bit of music and he falls straight to sleep. I shouldn't have told you that. <laughs> you know, so Hagger keeps he keeps uh, messing up and everything, but yeah. um, there are many traps in front of the the Sorcerer's Stone to keep it uh, safe. You know, you have Fluffy there, you have um, some botanical stuff, you have uh, some flying keys, and you have a chessboard and everything. So there's a lot of teachers that are helping to keep the um, keep the Sorcerer's Stone safe and everything. And Hagrid tells them they're like, he's like, no, it's not Snape that's doing that. He's one of the teachers that's trying to protect it. So um, in between all of this, we found out we find out that Hagrid has an egg, and it's a dragon's egg, and he got it from somebody in town or in, in um, Hogsmeade, which is the town close to Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he won it in a game from the Doesn't stranger. Does somebody's brother live there? Yeah, somebody named Dumbledore. We find out later that Aberforth Dumbledore, Albus's brother, Albus being Dumbledore's first name. Uh, Albus Dumbledore's brother is Aberforth Dumbledore, and he lives in Hogsmeade as well. You know what Dumbledore means in Old English? What? Uh, Bumblebee. No, it doesn't. Bet me money. No, it means a dumb door. Okay. A dumb, bumbling door. Dumbledore. Fuck it off. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it means definitely in, in not old English. You don't get a busy wings flapping flying around real quick. I don't know. You see him, him you, see. you know, Dumbledore for an older guy. He he Michael definitely Gambin. yeah, Michael Gambon definitely <laughs> not that, this that one. dude was like running everywhere he went. Yeah, you know, Richard Harris. Uh, and and by the way, Richard Harris is the father of Jared Harris, who was in our um, uh, Mr. Deeds episode. Correct. And uh, he played like the the head reporter guy there. He also played um, Robert Downey Jr.'s Moriarty. I did not know Sherlock that was his, his. And when we talked about it, you're you said the same thing. You're like, oh, I didn't realize that that was his father. Ah. But yeah, so that's Richard Harris. That's his father. He's the father of Jared Harris, who played those characters. Gotcha. But, um, so, anyways, we find out that he also uh, played in Fringe. By the way, one of my favorite shows. Oh, did he? Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, so we find out that that uh, Hagrid won this egg from the stranger, and the stranger seemed very interested in Hagrid, and and got after he won the egg, you know, very easily, you know, he started asking Hagrid, oh, do you keep do you take care of a lot of magical creatures?" So he started talking about Fluffy and all this kind of stuff. So as we know, um, Hagrid's a snitch. As we know, Hagrid has some history with Voldemort. Uh, and we'll just say this out right now. We find out in, towards the this end of the movie that it's Quirrell who has Voldemort on the back of his head. Um, so Quirrell is the stranger in the bar that is tricking Hagrid into believing he won this egg. And he only does that so that he can start a conversation with him about the magical creatures so he can find out how to get past Fluffy. And Hagrid, of course, is not the brightest crayon on, crayon on the box, you know. So... Um, he, he falls for it. But we know that Quirrell tricked Hagrid with the dragon because Voldemort knew Hagrid well enough to know how to manipulate him because Voldemort and Hagrid also have a past, yeah. which we can get into in the next movie. They went to school together. Right, and that, that gets explored in the next movie. But um, he knew how to manipulate him, uh, and uh, we'll find out why. But um, he manipulated Hagrid into telling him, oh, well, I told him all you got to do, the trick with Fluffy is all you got to do is play some music and he'll fall right to sleep. I should not have told you that. Yeah. I should not have told you that. And he keeps he keeps going on with the should not have told you that and everything. So the kids are like, oh, now we know how to 
get past that. And, uh, and, and and pretty much, you know, nobody ever figures out, stop telling Hagrid crap. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Just stop telling him stuff. But, I mean, Dumbledore like, will still say, movie, Dumbledore know? will still say, I trust Hagrid more with my life, more than anybody. Yeah, because, you know? I mean, he, know, he knows he is loyal. He just has a big mouth. But he knows what he can trust him with and what True. he probably can't trust him with. But that's the point, right? You and I, uh, we're talking about this. Um, it's very convenient that the kids find out all these things, right? And that 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 Hagrid tells Harry about. Uh, he tells him he's. I'm not sure I'm the right person to tell you about that, but he tells him anyways. Yeah. Uh, he tells him he thinks that Voldemort's still alive, which most people think he's dead, but Dumbledore doesn't think he's dead. So I'm sure that Vol- uh, Dumbledore told Hagrid these things. Um, he had Hagrid pick up the Sorcerer's Stone when he was with Harry. Mm-hmm. You know. He uh, all these different things that you kind of get the sense that Dumbledore is okay with Hagrid having this information around Harry, meaning he's okay with Harry having this information because mm-hmm. he knows Hagrid will spill it. So getting more into that, when the kids finally go down into the uh, the you know the third floor where Fluffy is, right? They're gonna go try to find the Sorcerer's Stone because they want to get it from Snape. Remember, Snape had his his pants torn up on Halloween. Uh, Harry's theory is that during Halloween, Snape let the troll in the dungeon to distract everybody and went to the third floor to go get the source of stone, but then was attacked by Fluffy, you know, was, was bit on the mm-hmm. leg, and that's why he's all bloody. Um, so, and obviously we know it's really Quirrell because we were talking about that early, and what we find out is that Snape actually was going to stop Quirrell, was, was going there to make sure that nobody else was going there because he had suspected some things with Quirrell too. <laughs> so... Um, he actually went to stop and ended up getting bitten by Fluffy on the way. But So they go, and they're like, okay, let's go get this Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, as they're heading out, because they keep getting in trouble all movie, Neville tries to stop them from leaving the common room. So he's like, please stop getting Gryffindor in trouble. You guys keep... And then Hermione's gangster, and, you know, she... Petrificus Totalis is his, his ass right on the ground. And, uh, and so he's petrified, and so they leave. And they go to the third floor. They see Fluffy, but Fluffy's already asleep by harp. They're like, oh, no, Snape's been here. So um, they go down to the hole. Once Fluffy wakes up, they quickly have to jump down the hole. And they land in this plant thing, which was probably done by Professor Sprout, uh, the head of um, Hufflepuff House, um, who's like the botanist of the school, which we'll get more into uh, in the next movie. But um, they, they, it's the devil snare stuff, and they get stuck, and Hermione knows how to get through it, right? She's the only one that knows how to get mm-hmm. through it because she has that knowledge. Um, so they get through it. They go to the next uh, room where it's a uh, flying keys, and you have to get on a broomstick, and you have to find. But as soon as you touch the broomstick, these keys start flying at you. So you have to be a really good flyer, which Harry is very good at. Right. They get past that room. They go to the chess room. Um, to get past this room, they can't even cross the board without play in the game or else that's a move and you'll actually and this is wizard's chest just like they were playing earlier where it's real violent and the pieces destroy each other instead of just you know you Mm -hmm. take a piece or whatever so they realize they have to play this game which ron is very good at so during throughout the game ron finds out he has to sacrifice himself and gets knocked out and harry has to go on alone each one of those tests were specific to each kid and how they uh, their strengths, you know, mm-hmm. the the uh, the chesting played to Ron's snake, uh, strengths, the broomstick thing played to Harry's strength, and the devil snare thing is something that maybe second years would have known about, maybe first years wouldn't have known about, but we know that Hermione reads like a year or two ahead, so she knows what she's she's like a year or two ahead of every grade she's in because she's always getting ahead of everybody. Okay. So, 
it's another it's another clue that Dumbledore knows exactly what's going on and wants Harry to do this. My theory is, and it's probably out there, but my theory is that uh, Dumbledore knows that part of Voldemort got into Harry. He knows how Voldemort was when he was in a miserable situation for years in an orphanage um, and mistreated and all that kind of stuff. And he wants to know if Harry is like his parents or if he's like Voldemort. Um, but it's still kind of like, I was thinking about that because you mentioned that uh, last time, right? <laughs> yeah. And I know we keep on saying last time, but you mentioned it last time. But I was thinking about it and, you know, it's kind of weird because Dumbledore did definitely put, you know, the rest of the guy kids in harm's way too. You know what I mean? Like all these things could have actually killed them. But he looked at Hermione and knew that Hermione, they never threw anything at him that was too much. I don't for know. Wizard chest was pretty brutal. For but for, he knew that know, Ron, he knew that Ron, Ron was playing that all the time during the uh, thing. So he knew that Ron was good at it. Right. Not only that, but only someone who wanted the stone, but not for themselves, could get it from the mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he introduced that. Okay, so the stone was brought back at the beginning of the year, right? But that mirror was in a room that was available to anybody just to walk in at Christmas time. Okay. But that thing has at least been guarded since Halloween, we know, because it was used. that's where Fluffy yeah. was and everything. So the mirror was being guarded down there, but now suddenly it's up there at Christmas time. Yeah, we the, both made that point, too. And the know. only reason that could have been done is that Dumbledore brought it upstairs for Harry to see it. He needed to Harry understand to it. it. He needed him to understand To understand mirror. how it worked and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So and he warned Harry. He's like, look, I know you see your parents and that and everything. People have lost their whole lives in front of this mirror because it just shows you what you want and people just want to stare at what they want. Don't get caught up with mm-hmm. this. This isn't life. You know, you mm-hmm. you can't bring your parents back. This isn't life and stuff. So he's like, um, it shows you your innermost desires. So he explains it to him. For some reason, Dumbledore's in that room that night right after he gives Harry the invisible cloak back. Well, plus I think, I feel like in a way he knew that, you know, Professor Quill could not touch him. Exactly. And harm him. So he, in a way, it was kind of like, you know, Dumbledore was like, if he does come upon this person yeah. or if they ever, he'll be okay. Unless, like, well, he tries to shoot a spell at and, him. And but even then, he probably wouldn't probably wouldn't work. And it's kind of funny, too, because, you know, Harry's, out of the three tests, Harry's was the easiest. The less dangerous one as well. It was just flying. But, I mean, it was his greatest strength. Is, yeah. Uh, it was Harry's his greatest, greatest strength, strength is flying. But, I mean, like, Wizard Chess could have killed him. The Devil Snare technically could have killed but him. But he trusted Ron and he right. trusted Hermione. Right. To their levels that they were right. at. But I'm still saying that he did give Harry a fairly easy, yeah. I mean, you know, one thing that's geared towards him, but a fairly easy task. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. And I definitely, it's the biggest thing I didn't realize, you know, when I watched this movie a thousand times, was that, you know, Dumbledore set, Dumbledore sent, set all this up. Yeah. From the get-go. Yep. And it, it was a little bit to pull out Quill. I think it was a little bit to pull out Quill to show his cards. Quirrell. Whatever. Uh, Quirrell. Quirrell. Um, it's, it's a little bit, I think it was just to basically show their cards. Because it was like, you know, Dumbledore knew it was one of the teachers. He had to know it was one of the teachers. Thank you for not adding an end at the end of that. Yeah. Or an F at the end of that. A Dumbledore. Uh, Dumbledore. Knew, no, no, Dumbledore Stop knew it. that it was uh, that it, he had to. He, he's been playing this from the get go. Of course right? he has. And and anybody who says that no, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't put. 
his the, the entire seven books is Dumbledore putting kids in danger. Don't ever think that Dumbledore like he's he wants kids to be safe and everything, but he yeah. constantly puts people well, in danger. Because and Aberforth even mentions yeah. it in the last yeah, book. Yep, he's like, yep. My brother You're is right. very good at putting people, you know, at doing other this people in danger. Exactly. You know? So, you and, know, he's and, and the thing is is that, you know, in, in all intents and purposes, you know, JK Rowling was the author of these films or these books, but Dumbledore was the internal author of this story. Well, yeah, I mean, he's the one that controlled everything. He's yeah, the one that determined everything. He's been spending the last ten years setting things up. I mean, the, and investigating point, things. Yeah, but but I mean, he he knew he knew from the get go. I feel like that you know it had to be Snape. You know, Snape Snape was uh, you know he trusted Snape just as much as he trusted anybody. In fact, Snape knew stuff that that. Well, let's not get anywhere. We'll save that. No, no, I'm saying even in this story, I believe that, you know, in the first film, Snape knew stuff that even Hagrid didn't know. And, you well, know, so did McGonagall. Yeah, like, yeah. We find out that Snape Those and McGonagall three. are pretty, are pretty close. McGonagall, Dumbledore. But we want to say how, 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 Snape. just how far, far that goes with yeah, Snape. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like he, Dumbledore knew that it was, uh, it was one of the teachers, right? So, and he knew that this, you know, Quirrell was the new... You know, or was the the uh, dark arts teacher? You know, and so as we could tell, like they had a lot of problems with the dark arts teacher. You know, from uh, the very first book to the last one. But and uh, I'll just say right now, the reason for that is, and it's mentioned in the books, but never in the movies. But um, uh, when Voldemort, who went by a different name, came uh, came back to Hogwarts after disappearing for like ten years to learn different dark magics and stuff. He came back to Hogwarts and he was looking real gaunt and just like, he looked like crap. Um, he didn't look like the dashing person he was when he was a student mm-hmm. there. But he asked Dumbledore for the job of Defense Against the Dark Arts because that teacher was retiring. And uh, Dumbledore could see how he was and see what he was and he could see that he probably just wanted, he wanted to come back to We re- know who that teacher was. Well, too, he, right? Wait, who? It was Slughorn. No, he was Potions. No, no, it was just some random person that had taught Defense Against the Dark Arts for a while. This is before Voldemort asked for the job. Okay. So he asked for the job, and Dumbledore, seeing that he was collecting a following, knew he only wanted that job to recruit students at, right out of Hogwarts yeah. and everything. So he denied him the job, and this is when Voldemort dropped off one of his horcruxes in the uh, the room, yeah. the room requirement yeah. or whatever. But um, when he was denied that job, Voldemort actually cursed that position, saying it would never be filled by the— you know, for more than one year, basically. Yeah. So that's why it's a different defense against the dark arts teacher every that's year. That's what I'm saying. Like Dumbledore, Dumbledore until knew, Voldemort's he, he knew who it was, I think. I feel like he knew it from the get-go. He knew it was Quirrell. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he did because he, I mean, in the books it shows that Quirrell just changed. But, I mean, besides that, you know, Dumbledore did all this, you know, about as far as putting kids in danger and everything. He did this because he knew it was the only way. And there, that's because of a prophecy that we'll get into in a few movies from now. But he knew that this was the only way to get these certain things done, right? And that comes from his childhood of the greater good yeah. mentality, where he still yeah, got we'll a, kill little, a couple kids. He still got a little know. bit of that, yeah. So the greater good. It's 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 a little kind of shady, but I mean, you're doing we'll kill what you all have to these do. new students, parents. Yeah. you know what? Why not? But nobody else has the plan, like, and nobody else has the information that Dumbledore does because Dumbledore is one of the only person that heard the that prophecy and everything. So, anyways. Um, he gets in there and uh, he he talks. He finds out that it's Quirrell, and Quirrell's looking at the mirror, and he's like, "I'm trying to figure out how to get the stone. I know it has something to do with this mirror." Um, 
And, you know, he wants to see himself in the mirror holding a stone, but he doesn't know how to get it. Mm -hmm. And as Dumbledore says later, uh, only somebody who wanted the stone wanted it, but not for themselves to keep, you know, to not use it or whatever could have it. Um, and uh, Harry, when he got to that mirror, he wanted to get it to keep it away from Quirrell and Voldemort. And uh, so just by looking in the mirror, he see that it suddenly appeared in his pocket. Well, it's foreboding, too, because if you think about it, you know, like he, he saw Harry. He left that thing out there for Harry. Specifically, he left the mirror That's there for Harry back yeah. in the day. Only for Harry. He knew nobody else would find it but Harry. Right. You know, he, he was testing Harry to see where he would lie here and and finding out that the only thing he sees is harry sees is his parents because that's what he truly wants is a family and love he wants love yeah love in his family and so you know right then and there dumbledore knew that this setting it up that way would make it so harry would be the only one because and the fact that it appeared in harry's pocket showed that he was loyal and that he was good and that he didn't want to use it for immortality or any personal gain, right, he right, strictly right. wanted to use it to keep it away yep. from Voldemort. And, and, and you know, I, I feel in a way that Dumbledore didn't even trust himself with that stone. No, well, yeah, probably not. Because, yeah, I mean, that that would be, uh, you know, he believes in more natural things now. And not yeah. stay, you know, life isn't about, ev- life isn't everything. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not the end of the journey, that type of thing. So, um, and that's what Voldemort fears the most is death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he wants to stay alive because he fears death, and and mm-hmm. and uh, Vol- and Dumbledore's like, there's much more things to fear than death. Yeah, you know. So after seeing Harry was just like James and Lily, you know, breaking rules but being courageous and yeah, being a good friend and being smart and everything. He knew that his plan from here on out would work right because he was not a Voldemort he yeah. was more like his parents and everything mm-hmm. and you know he even tells Harry at the end when Harry's in that little hospital bed and he's like there are ways he can return and I think at that it's showing that he knows about Horcruxes right yeah. now and for those who don't know what that is we'll get to it eventually so right um, but yeah then that's the movie and Harry says you know Ron's like you know uh, said something about going home and uh, Harry says I'm not going home not really you know, because he considers Hogwarts his home, the magical right. world his home now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the aunt and uncle are just going back there for, you know, certain reason. And I'll just say this out right now. The reason that he has to stay at his aunt and uncle's, should we say it right now? Yeah, why not? Um, is because, you know, his mother is the one that cast that or uh, that love protection whenever she stood in front of Harry and got killed instead of him. Um, so that follows through her blood. And Petunia is her sister, and Petunia has the same blood. So as long as Harry, he doesn't have to live there all the time, but as long as he goes back every couple of months and he can call that home, yeah, it's it. it Dumbledore knows that cast a, a, a magical protection. No other person that's Voldemort or associated with Voldemort can find him. Mm-hmm. They can't see the house, they can't find the house, and they can't go to the house. Um, it's just that protection spell. So um, that's why he has to keep going back there every year, and, and it's miserable for him. I, I would think that Dumbledore would want to tell him something like that early, but he's not ready for that kind of information right now. So Right. Anyways, that's the movie, and uh, scored brilliantly by John Williams, by the way. Um, As who, always. Yeah, exactly. One of these things where you're humming everyone. You know, and it's just the same thing as like Jaws or Star Wars or Jurassic Park or Superman Indiana or Indiana Jones. All these movies that, that John Williams has scored and, and just become the 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 soundtrack for your childhood right basically or at least the soundtrack of our childhood 
Um, but yeah, like I said, great, great movie. We're going to get into a lot more lore and everything, uh, trying to give as much as we can now. And we lost our recording, so we this is the second time we're doing this again. Yeah. I know that keeps happening, but... Uh, you know as we know it hasn't been my fault so yeah um anyways um you still happy with where you have this on your list oh yeah absolutely all right well uh that's that's all we have for today uh you guys if you can join us um either no it'll be two weeks uh, I believe, and that's when we'll have our Chamber of Secrets episode. Um, we're going to do one or two in June. Uh, we got kind of a busy schedule coming up here, so we're going to do one or two in June, but we'll probably be back at it full force in uh, in July. Uh, but we still will have a couple of releases in June, uh, one of them being um, uh, Chamber of Secrets. Until I have a baby in there. <laughs> Now, then, the best. Then you're going to have to, the only time you'll be able to come out when you come to do the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at The Post Credit Podcast, except for Twitter. We're at The Post Credit. Our email address is thepostcreditpodcast at gmail.com. We have a website. It's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com, and we're on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. And throw me a bludger.